Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbert. And I'm Courtney Browns. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, invasive organisms surely come in all shapes and sizes. Some are aquatic, some have various life stages, some are hard to see with the naked eye, but each one has a strategy to outcompete our native species. And today we're talking about an invasive species that I'm pretty sure that most of you are aware of, especially since it's been devastating woodlots and backyard trees and many other forest canopies throughout our state. So today we're talking about the gypsy moth caterpillar. So the gypsy moth, I guess, was first introduced um, into Massachusetts and it was an accident back in 1869. And they were first detected in Pennsylvania, right here close in Luzerne and Lackawanna counties. That was in 1932 by a professor conducting silk research. So the infestation progressed further westward, um, causing heavy tree defoliation and mortality of a lot of our tree species. Since 1980, the gypsy moth has defoliated close to a million or more forested acres every year. So let's actually talk about a description of the species. So you'll probably notice egg masses of the gypsy moths. They're a light tan color and the eggs inside are dark colored, almost resembling a pellet. Uh, each mass, they say, contains about 400 to roughly 600 eggs each. And the larval stage, or the caterpillar stage, of the moth is a hairy caterpillar with yellow and black head. Behind their head, they have five pairs of blue spots. And following that, they have six pairs of red spots. Uh, once in the moth phase, the male moths are dark in color and can be seen flying, whereas the females are white with black wavy markings, and they don't fly. Have you seen any gypsy moths this year? I think a couple. Uh, my daughter had asked me what it was, so she hadn't seen them before. So I pointed it out to her and mentioned uh, it was a gypsy moth and explained a little bit of the history behind it. You? I haven't seen any of them. I, I haven't really looked either, but I have noticed some of the trees in my yard are pretty heavily defoliated. Mm. So these egg masses that we talked about that are produced by the females are deposited on trees, stones, and other substrate and they'll remain throughout the winter and then the eggs will hatch beginning in like late April to early May and the small instar larvae don't begin feeding immediately so they're actually dispersed by the wind once they hatch and then when they get a little older they'll begin to feast on foliage and they'll remain on that host plant feasting 24-7. In late May when they're about half grown the larvae will only feed on the foliage at night so then during the day, they'll seek shelter in crevices and bark or other protected areas um, to protect them from birds and other predators. So the larvae will reach maturity in mid-June to early July, and this is when pupation takes place and they turn into caterpillars. Hey, the one thing you mentioned, and we'll go back to it, uh, you mentioned that they also disperse by wind. And it's kind of funny, but um, I remember just sitting outside sometimes and you see the little caterpillars drift by like they're hanging from that silk thread. Um, then I never really thought about how, you know, the wind causes their dispersal. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's focus on damage because uh, that's a big part of their life, really. They say heavy defoliation by this pest causes stress 
to the susceptible host species, um, they really stress the trees and it allows for secondary organisms such as the two-lined chestnut borer and things like shoestring root rot to really attack the trees easily. Uh, and that unfortunately leads to tree mortality quickly. Um, if you live in the Northeast like we do, uh, you'll likely associate gypsy moth caterpillars with damage to oak trees. Um, and certain counties have more species of oak trees. So I think to the south of us, I want to say Luzerne County, uh, down around there, they've really seen some impacts from gypsy moths. And uh, there's quite a bit of spraying going on throughout the state. Uh, probably focused more on uh, the oak species and uh, canopies that have more oaks in them. Other ones you'll see um, they feed on are apple, alder, basswood, hawthorn, uh, poplars, willows. Uh, they tend not to like other trees like elm or black gum, uh, hickories. They, they don't really feed on maples as much. Uh, sassafras, which you don't really have around here, but they, they tend to stay away from that one too. Uh, the normal outbreak for this pest is usually two years of light infestation, uh, and they don't really defoliate as much during those two years. Uh, but then that's followed by two years of moderate to severe defoliation uh, with population collapse after that second year. Uh, infestations can flare up in the future years, but caterpillar density and the levels of defoliation really won't be as heavy. So let's jump into a little bit of what we can do to manage them. So during the winter, temperatures below negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit will kill the egg masses. Unfortunately, even up here in Northeast PA, I don't think we really ever see air temperatures that cold, maybe on rare occasion, but it doesn't really get that cold here. So after they hatch in early May, freezing temperatures will kill the larvae. So that kind of helps with population control a little bit. But there's three main ways to control the gypsy moth. And these are non-chemical control, chemical control, and biological control. All right, so start off with non-chemical methods. Um, so non-chemical methods involve building traps to capture the larvae. When the caterpillars are about half grown, uh, many of them feed at night and they'll crawl down the tree in the morning to seek shelter during the daylight hours. And you can use a 14 to 18 inch wide piece of burlap and you can encircle the tree with it. It places about chest height so that it hangs like an apron around the trunk. Uh, then you could tie it off the center of the burlap with a string and you fold the top portion over the string. The larvae will hide in this burlap apron during the day. Um, the apron needs to be checked daily so that the larvae can be destroyed. Uh, it's your personal preference as to how you destroy them. <laughs> so uh, this technique, it really works best in light to moderate infestations and it works best from, let's say, late May to early July or until the males begin to fly. So the second option is biological control. And this is a good option that's used in heavily infested scenarios. There's actually some native predators that'll attack the gypsy moth. Several introduced species of fly and wasp parasitoids are established already in Pennsylvania. 
And these parasitoids, you know, they don't provide an immediate solution to the problem, but once they're able to collapse the gypsy moth population, they'll help to maintain the levels of the pest for extended periods of time. So just um, a refresher, I think we've covered it before, but parasitoids, uh, like you referred to the wasps, they, so what they do is they, um, they'll inject a caterpillar with eggs um, and then their larvae hatch out and eat the caterpillar. So kind of weird life cycle, but um, it's one way to kill those pests. Yeah, there's also a naturally occurring virus called the wilt and that's resulted in massive mortality of caterpillars. Um, it's caused populations to collapse in areas where there's been severe defoliation. And the virus is always present, but it seldom affects the larval stage until they're under stress due to overcrowding or reduced food availability. And our third option, I just want to touch on it real quick, is chemical control. And there's a variety of insecticides that can be used to manage the pest. Um, as always, it think it's important to know insecticides can have effects outside of what you're trying to do. So it's really important to read the directions and make sure that you're using them correctly. Yep, I'll second that as well. So, you know, a lot of this is observation, just checking out your backyard or your local park and um, seeing what's out there and uh, look for the identifications that we had mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, and, and monitor it and um, you know ask your local forester as well. Uh, I think that we have one event uh, to mention today and that's Kanawakta Rod and Gun Club will be hosting their Youth Field Day and that's on Sunday August 22nd in Susquehanna. Uh, they'll have presentations on kayak and water safety, they'll have shotgun training and shooting, also do some 22 rifle and pistol training and shooting and archery as well that's by state champion kaylee landry uh, you can pre-register online at kanawakta.org events or you can go there the day of the event and register from 9 to 10 a.m they ask that you please bring a dish they'll have hamburgers hot dogs and drinks well i guess that does it for today's show if you have questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions or even make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows. You have been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbert saying, enjoy the outdoors.